Hey everybody, welcome to the Maddox and Maddox podcast. My name is Carrie. My husband is Isaac. We are the lead pastors here at Activate Church. We have a special guest with us today on podcast. His name is Banning Leapsher. He is the founder and pastor of Jesus Culture Church. He was here with us over the weekend and did a leadership talk with some of our leaders. So that's going to be our podcast today. Get your journals out. Get ready to take notes because it is powerful. Listen, I'm going to talk to y'all as leaders. I don't care what your title is. I don't care what you you think. I just am going to come at you as this thing. And and I'll I'll tell you a little bit of what I believe about leadership. But um, uh, culture is king. And uh, one of the things that God is doing in this house is he is building a culture. Um, it's, it's many times at the stage that you're in, in the church, in the church kind of planting stage, you've kind of, and then COVID just did a whole nother reset around this thing. But you spend those first five years just kind of figuring things out a little bit and figuring out your culture and getting established and what you want to do, what you want to do. COVID came in and reset some things. But I really believe that right now, what the Lord is asking or, or what the Lord is saying is, is that, uh, uh, how would I say this? The, the game is culture right now. That's not like the, the game, not the game, but but the the priority is culture right now. The priority is not crowds; it's culture. What what you want to build is culture. Crowds will come, all that stuff. But but culture is what's most needed. And and the reason it, it, people encounter culture, culture actually is a part of disciples. It, it, cult, people encounter culture. When they come into a community, when they come into an environment. So the, to be able to be intentional about culture matters greatly. What is the culture? And when you don't, when you don't know the culture you're building, then a culture is being established. It's just not one that you're trying to establish. And, and, and I, I would just say this real quick. The reason why I'm talking about culture is this. Culture is ultimately established by a group of people headed in the same direction over time. So, so this, I cannot tell you, and I would say this, you're in this room right now because you're called to be a culture carrier in this community. You're called to be a culture builder. But you have to understand this, culture is built by a group of people headed in the same direction for a length of time. It's, uh, the, the illustration would be, uh, if, if you remember those round above ground pools, when I was in elementary school, uh, we didn't have, pool, in our neighborhood, we didn't really have pools. Uh, a neighbor, I think, did. But across the street, they had put in just this, you know, so it's a pool just about that big. We called them doughboys. I don't even know why. But, and so we would, so when we were elementary, we'd go across. There'd be like six of us uh, in the neighborhood kids in the pool. And we, you know, it'd be kind of up to here on us. And we'd be swimming around. And all of a sudden, one of the kids would yell, whirlpool. And when they yelled whirlpool, we all knew what we were to do. And that was immediately, we would all go in one side together. And then we would just start walking. And we'd just start walking around this pool all together. And we'd start walking and we'd start walking. And the more that we walked and the more that we continued to go as a unit on this thing in the same direction, all of a sudden, the, the, the what momentum would kick in. All of a sudden, what we were pushing at first is now beginning to propel us. And if somebody was to step in, they would get caught up in that current that we all walk. This is, this is how culture is established. It's very important especially in church settings or in any setting, a business setting, anything else. Can we get everybody headed the same direction together? If you come in, environments will not have momentum. 
Culture is what creates momentum. Uh, environments will not have momentum if you've got one person going that way, one person going that way, another person going that way. You'll never get that momentum that culture is supposed to establish. So the goal is this. Can we get a group of people, and it doesn't have to be everybody. This is the thing. It doesn't have to be, you know, but, but the Lord, can we get what I would call culture carriers, and can we be clear about the culture, where we're going? And then we just begin to move that way. I'm a, I'll talk to you a little about this, but, but this, is, this is the concept that ultimately culture is established by leaders. And leaders are those who understand the vision, understand where we're going, and they begin to head that direction together. I mean, this was uh, 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 Bethel. I don't know how much you guys know about Bethel. But when you go into the environment of Bethel, it is an environment that believes for the impossible and believes for miracles because a group of people are just like they settled the issue what God's will is. They settled the issue of God and they're just and there's nobody going different directions. They're all just going this direction. And when you get that, when you get people going the same direction over a length of time, all of a sudden a momentum begins to kick in that when somebody just steps into it, they're swept up into it. Whether it's, whether it's a culture of miracles, whether it's a culture of worship, whether it's a culture of serving, whether it's a culture of generosity, whether it's a culture of community, whether it's a culture of authenticity, whatever culture you want to establish, you, you have to begin to do that. So I, I, I can't tell you, like this is my first time here, I, I, cannot, I can't stress enough how important you in this room are to establishing culture at a church. Culture that will go get, get momentum and culture that gets breakthrough. I, I, um, I really don't know what time it is when I look up there. I'm going to... I, I want to say this, and I'm, I'm going to be all over the place if I can, but leadership is ultimately about being out in front. So, so we had a, there was a model of leadership that was like, Leadership is a pyramid and it's top down. So there's a leader, there's a bunch of people that follow. And then they said, well, no, that doesn't sound like Jesus. So then they inverted it. And they said, leadership is, is you know, bottom up. It's a leader and then all these people. But I would say this, that leadership is just this. It's that pyramid on its side. And leadership is really about who's out in front. When we're trying to establish culture, I don't care what your title is. If you're out in front, you're leading. So I don't need a title to be a leader. If we want to have a, if we, if we say this, we, we want a culture that values the word of God. Then every week I'm bringing my physical Bible. Right? And, and I'm in the word every day. I'm going to bring my physical Bible to church. I'm going to amen the sermon. And I'm going to be in the word. Because, because leadership is not about a title. Leadership is just, are you out in front? We want to establish a culture of worship. Then be out in front. Half the time I'm just looking at people, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just looking for who, who, who actually is going to be out in front. We, we wait for titles. We wait for somebody to give us some responsibility. And I'm like, I want to know what the culture is we're trying to establish. And I'm going to be out in front. And if we're trying to establish a culture of prayer, then I'm going to be praying and I'm going to be at all the prayer meetings. And are you with me on that? Because leadership is, not, leadership is simply this. And so what happens is, is leaders get out in front and they begin to create a way for others. 
Guys, this is, this is, if you ever read The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, and it's a study on uh, um, epidemics, but, or pandemics. Uh, well, I don't even know the difference between those two things. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but his, one of his point is, is that um, epidemics are, are, are not started by the masses. He calls it the law of the few. That, that things, whether it's, whether it's a sickness or whether it's a, a fad of shoe, you know, hush puppies is an example he gave. That it's always just a handful. It's a few people that begin to move with that thing. And then all of a sudden, it creates a way for the masses. We think culture and leadership is about, like, it's not, it's not about the masses. It's about, will there be a handful of people that will get out in front and start leading the way? So we say, man, I, I, this is why for me, I'm like, you got to don't complain about not having like, don't come in and complain about, well, there's no community here. Go out, get in front and establish community. Like this is the thing for this is the thing. This is the thing that irritates me sometimes. Like, you know, this, this church doesn't worship hard enough. Well, then get out in front and worship and be and be one of the ones that begins to create that culture of worship. We want to come in in environments that are already established. We want to come in environments that are already, I'm like, no, listen, you are here because you're called to be out in front and help establish your part of the few. You're part of the law of the few. And I'm telling you right now, and revivals are the same way. Revivals never started the masses. Revival started with, a, I mean, if you really read the history of revival, it was a couple elderly ladies who decided to pray in a barn. It's a handful of young people who stayed over after a service. It's some hippies that just decided to kind of start meeting in some homes. I'm telling you, revival doesn't start with the masses. Revival starts with a handful of people who decide to go after God, to be hungry, to press in, to worship. And, and even when others maybe aren't coming, they understand I'm just out in front. Others may not be with us right now, but I'm going to be out in front. And if I can get out in front, if I can press in for this thing, it will create a way for others to come and create that momentum. I mean, I am convinced of this. This isn't what I was going to talk about, but let me tell you this. This is, I'm just going to go to, I, I am convinced that there's a passage in um, Acts chapter 16. I don't have my Bible, but I do have my digital Bible. Does that count? It does not. It's a trick question. Your digital Bible will not be going with you to heaven. You know what it will be? Your leather-bound Bible. That's what's going to heaven with you. And you know what? Because I'm not connected to the Internet, I don't have it. Acts 16. What, what translation? NLT. Dear Lord. Okay, it's not even the translation that I'm mocking. It's the size of the... Acts, uh, I can, kind of. What's your translation? New King James. New King James. That's, That's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> Give me New King James. Come on, take care. <laughs> Paul and Silas are in prison. Watch, listen, listen to this principle. This is legitimately not what I was going to talk about, but I'm going to talk to you about it. Paul and Silas says this. They, um, they get taken into prison. Let me find the verse. Seriously, dude, this is a little bit. Um, here we go. Uh, verse, I don't know, 23, is that right? Then the multitude rose up together, the magistrates tore off their clothes. And then they had, uh, there we go. 
And then they had then they had laid many stripes on them. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Have receiving such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. We know the story. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Here's the principle. Paul and Silas are in prison. They're in prison. And they do what they know. They're just seeking the Lord. They're just seeking the Lord. So they're in prison. They're just worshiping. They're praying. And it says that all of the prisoners were just listening. The prisoners weren't engaged in this worship moment. The prisoners weren't engaged in seeking the Lord. They were just all listening. And when God showed up and responded, and, and I, I, one of the things of, that you have to really understand is this. God responds to seekers. Always. He is a rewarder with his presence of those who will diligently seek him. He always responds to seekers. This is what Isaiah says. Isaiah says, nobody's ever seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. And Lamentations connects waiting with seeking. And so the, the concept is this, is that the Lord is moved to action by those who seek him. He always is. So Paul and Silas are in prison. They're worshiping. They're just loving on Jesus. And all of a sudden, an earthquake comes. God responds. And he sends an earthquake. But the amazing thing is this, that, that it doesn't say that the door in front of Paul and Silas was opened and their chains were loosed. It says that every door was opened and everyone's chains were loosed. The principle being this. Your personal breakthrough will lead to corporate breakthrough. Like, if you, if, if you really believe this, that, if, that I, I believe this, if I press in and I go get breakthrough, if I start, I don't, I, it can be me and one person that decides to get up in the morning and just pray on our own. And we're just going to start seeking the Lord together. I believe that, my, that me seeking the Lord, that God is going to respond to that. But when he responds to that, it will not just release breakthrough to me. It will release breakthrough to the more. It will release breakthrough corporately. This is what I challenge people. Some of you in this room, you're struggling with marriage. I say, listen, press in in your marriage. Get breakthrough in your marriage. Because when you get breakthrough in your marriage, it doesn't just release breakthrough for you. It actually releases breakthrough to others. And this is what happens. You just say, God, I want to be hungry for you. God, I, I want to be, I want to pray. I want to be hungry for you. I want you to stir a fire inside of me. And you begin to press in. And all of a sudden, God begins to respond. He begins to put just this divine dissatisfaction inside of you. But he doesn't just do it for you. He begins to release it to others too. People that weren't even seeking God. This is the same concept of that pool, that if I can just start getting around this pool, that somebody that, wasn't, that didn't even do the work steps into that pool and gets caught up. And, and I believe that in the spirit, this is what begins to happen. That God just says, is there a few that would begin to press in? Is there a few that would get up in the morning and seek me? Is there a few that would begin to believe for miracles? Is there a few that would step out and as we begin to step out, this is, this is leadership. I'm going to be out in front. And while I am pressing in, the law of the few is this, that as I press in, breakthrough will happen for others who weren't even seeking the Lord. They weren't even seeking the Lord. 
But when God shows up, he sets them free, opens their door, takes their chains off, heals their marriage, puts a fire inside of them. This is just the, this is the principle of it. This is why I just cannot tell you how important you that are sitting in this room right now is for culture in this church. And a culture of revival just requires a handful of people that are saying, we're willing, we're willing to press in and we're willing to go that direction and we're just going to keep going that direction until we get breakthrough. And we, we have to learn persistence. There's a, I mean, Jesus was consistently, um, when Jesus taught on prayer, he, was, he consistently would connect it to persistence. In fact, the passage that says, asking you receive, seeking you'll find, knocking the door open, that thing is nestled in two stories of persistence. That translation should be ask and continue to ask, seek and continue to seek, knock and continue to knock. And we just keep coming and we just keep coming and we keep coming. And, and if, you're, if, you, if, you're, if you really are going to see a revival, if you're really going to see a revival, it takes a handful of people who are willing to step out and start pressing in on some things. And when you call a prayer meeting and three people show up, it doesn't matter. Like, I really, you really have to do this. We have this concept that if we get 50 people in the room, it's better than three people in the room. All I'm telling you is three people can get breakthrough. Like, I'm just telling you, three people. Three people that say, we're just going to keep coming. We're just going to keep coming. And we're going to keep coming. And we're going to keep coming. And there can be breakthrough. But in order to really persist... And you have to, you just keep going. They told stories of John Wimber in the vineyard. They prayed for, the Lord gave them a revelation of healing. They prayed for like a thousand people before they saw breakthrough in healing. But it's the thing, I don't know, we're just getting, I'm coming, I'm going to keep coming, I'm going to keep coming, I'm going to keep coming. And persistence, the reason Jesus would consistently teach, when, when Jesus would teach on prayer, he would connect it to a revelation of the Father. He'd connect it to a revelation of the Father because the key to persistence is knowing God as a father, is actually coming to him as a child. Because you want to know who the most persistent people on the face of the planet are? Kids. Uh, when I had little kids, they'd be like, can I have a cookie? I'm like, you cannot. And then four minutes later, I'm like, here's a cookie. Uh, it's, and I don't even know what happened, but they just kept coming and they kept coming and they just kept coming. And I'm like, fine, there's a cookie. Like, I don't, like, go away. My son, when he was literally 17 now, but when he would have been six or something, you know, like I'm a touch love language, but my son was just like off the charts touch love language. If he could, he would just Velcro himself to me, you know, at six. But I'd come home after a long day of work. He'd be sitting on the couch on that end watching TV. I'd come and sit on this end, get through mode. I'd be watching TV. And all of a sudden I'd look down and he's just draped on me. And I'm like, son, get off of me. And I'd push him over. 30 seconds later, he's draped on me again. And I'm like, son, get off of me. Stay over there. I'm watching TV. And he's draped on me again until finally I just give up. I just sit there just watching TV with this kid draped on me. There's something, like a kid goes, I hear you saying no, but that's not what you mean. <laughs> I hear you saying get off me. This is, but, but this is literally the story of the friend at midnight. God compares himself to a guy who goes to bed and doesn't want to get up. And the friend comes and says, hey, uh, can you get up? He's like, I've already gone to bed. Leave me alone. 
You sure? Can you get up? No, go away. And he says, because of the persistence of the neighbor, he got up. This, this is like, this is why people, people that don't know God as a father in that way will never understand the persistence of a child. They're like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm knocking. How long have you been knocking? A few years. Why would you keep knocking? It's my dad. He'll get up. It's my dad. I, I know he says he doesn't want to, but he'll get up. I know my dad. He'll get up. That's why one of the keys to sustaining prayer is intimacy. It just is. One of the keys to sustaining prayer is just intimacy and understanding God as a father. And I share that because when you, say, when you really say, God, I, we are going to be a people that just press in. We're going to get breakthrough. We're going to get your presence. We're going to get breakthrough. I'm just going to keep coming. Whatever I'm believing for. And we, and we just keep going and we just, we stay in that place of intimacy and we just keep going and we keep going and we keep going. And if you can get a handful of people that are in that mode, I'm just telling you, the Bible, history, it shows you that you just need a handful of people. You don't need a lot. You just need a handful of people that are like, we're going to go after this thing. And all of a sudden, breakthrough begins to be released. Culture begins to happen. And that's the goal. The goal is this, is that you got so much momentum going here because you got a people that just, and it may, it may take some time. You just all go in the same direction, all go in the same direction. All of a sudden, people come in, they just get swept up into this thing. I want to pray for you. I, I, I've only preached for one minute. That's amazing. You ever had that much preached in one minute? Maybe, maybe I'll share a little bit tomorrow. I don't know if I'll share. I was going to share about something different tonight. But, but Father, we just pray. Um, Father, I pray that you'd mark the few. I, I just pray you'd mark the few in this room. Lord, I believe that, this, that, the, that the few are in this room right now. God, that, that you really are stirring a divine dissatisfaction inside of people. And I just would encourage them. Man, if the Lord's stirring you, press in. Get up early. Grab a couple people and say, will you pray with me? Let's start praying. Start showing up and, and, and before. Like, honestly, this is the type of stuff that goes on. Like, like uh, you know, show up at 6 a.m. on Sundays and just walk around this building for an hour. Just believing God for things with a friend, you know. Start pressing in. Start seeking the Lord. Start Because I'm telling you, as you begin to do that momentum, breakthrough begins to happen. Leadership is not about a title. It is about who decides to be out front. Who's the one that says, we're going to have a culture of seeking God. We're going to have a culture of prayer. We're going to have a culture of faith. We're going to have a culture of persistence. We're going to have this culture. And so, Father, I'm just so grateful for all that you're doing here. And I really do believe, God, that you're, that, that you're doing something in this place. I'd even say, even with the release of this album, God, that you are doing something new and you're doing not just something new here's the word here's the here's the word that i heard even with this album it's not something new it's something fresh it's not just new it's fresh god's doing something fresh in this place and i just saw that god's doing something fresh in this place it's going to give great life to people i saw that this place would be marked as a place where life is given and I'm not just talking about salvation, but like life to your marriage, 
Life, when you're depressed, like people that are depressed, you're gonna come in and be full of joy. Marriages that are on the last leg, you're gonna come in and get new wind. Like I just saw like people go like, listen, if you, if you want to experience like just an infusion of life, that's the place to go. Those are the people to be with. I just saw fresh life coming, that the Lord was gonna mark this place with freshness and that it was going to be a place where life was distributed in really beautiful ways. I say, even all that you've gone through recently, even all that you've gone through with with the cancer and different things that are going on, I, I just believe that the Lord is going to, that we just, we double down on this thing. We double down. We, we may have questions, but we just say this, God, you're going to be a God who heals in this place. You're going to be a God that gives breakthrough in this place. And we're going to press in for it.